Ladies and gentlemen, Dylan's back! Just for the light The only thing we're all just too uptight And everybody knows they've got the right passions, roaming your factions No taste for facts, the old days are back They're not long gone wherever they go what is going on, fellow streamers? Welcome in to a full crew episode of Streamer Joy Season. Joy to the world. <laughs> Dylan has returned. Has returned. <laughs> oh, 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 happy holidays, everybody. <laughs> He's back. I got ego boosted, that's for sure. <laughs> Whole crew is back. If you're not watching on YouTube, you should be. But it's KB, it's Dylan, and it's Christian. We've got a loaded episode uh, for you guys. We're going to break down the Last of Us finale. Dylan and I are going to get into the Mandalorian episode three, like the good old days. We're going to get into Poker Face episode six. We're going to talk about everything, everywhere, all at once. And we'll get into the streaming platform, Multiverse News and Notes everybody's favorite segment but before we get started make sure you're following us on the socials at streamer szn twitter instagram make sure you follow uh christian on twitter at the whiz underscore phi follow dylan on twitter at dylan mazzola follow me on twitter kbizzl311 subscribe to the podcast feed apple podcast spotify wherever you get your podcasts we're there and dylan for the first time in a month, say the line, brother. I think I forgot the line. Just kidding. Lordy, lordy. The line is that on this beautiful podcast, on any of the outlets that you can reach us and listen to our wonderful angelic voices, you should be leaving comments and reviews and telling us what to watch. Next, we have access to all the, well, essentially all the streaming services across the world or the galaxy. Um, so yeah, let us know what you want to watch. I just started watching Chernobyl finally, and holy crap, Ola! Yes. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, the only the only bad part is, and Meg, if you're listening, this is not, I'm not a dig at you, my girlfriend. I started watching with her, and I have to wait to finish it with her because I'm I'm like chomping at the bit. So my point is, we're I'm glad to start new things. Kyle, you need to watch Chernobyl so then all three of us can talk about it because the same showrunner as Chernobyl did The Last of Us. Yep, that'll be it's on, on the you, list. Kyle. It's on me, the, just that, like every other show. That <laughs> he was number one. So uh, we have that. We have Ted Lasso. We have Succession, and we have every other show you've never watched. My buddy's on vacation for like two weeks visiting his girlfriend. I can't watch till he gets back because he signed off on purpose of his. <laughs> <laughs> It's a major power move, and I respect him, but I hate you. (laughs) That is a massive power Bastard. Bastard, but I respect it. Bastard, but I respect him. (laughs) 
That's wild. But yeah, go subscribe to the podcast. We leave a five star review with your show and movie recommendations. Let us know your thoughts on everything uh, that we talk about on this episode and any episode that you listen to of the podcast. Uh, go check all of it out and subscribe to the Underground Sports Philadelphia YouTube channel. That's where you get full video episodes of Streamer Season. You get interviews, clips, shorts, reaction videos, live streams, all of it. Shout out to Jimmy Kimmel and ABC for getting a a copyright warning on our channel when we were reacting to your Oscars, uh, you know, opening monologue. Shout out uh, to them. But go subscribe to the YouTube channel. Uh, We are currently at 417 subscribers. Let's go. We're on that road to 500, on that road to 1,000. You already know what happens when we get to 1,000. Dylan's cosplaying at Comic-Con. Oh, Dylan, did I tell you? Uh, We we have added uh, pending schedule. Christian will be joining us at Comic-Con. And we're bringing along the host with the most, the man on the street video conjurer himself, Pat Pitts. Oh, is he the little mic thing? He's going to bring his tiny mic. We've, and he is going to do man on the street videos at Comic Con. We've we we've been trying to decide what you and Pat should dress up as. Oh, do you have any 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 leads for the people? Any uh, any leading? <laughs> Christian <laughs> recommended the lead journalist from Ted Lasso for Pitts, which then makes me think you should be dressing up as Ted Lasso. <laughs> <laughs> Here, hold on. L- 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 let me get uh, a picture. Here. Now, now, uh, Pat, Pat doesn't have the hair for this remotely at all. But this is the journalist. From... Man, hello. <laughs> <laughs> no, but this, this is the journalist from. Uh, this is the journalist from Ted Lasso. I, I just sent it in chat, and it, it would be fun for the bit. I'm gonna but... share it here. Share screen. So can Pat Pitts look like this? No. Can Pat Pitts look like a comedy version of this? <laughs> I mean, I could we, look like that by shaving a wig, maybe. But we totally a Pitts. I want Pitts in a wig so bad. <laughs> I'm gonna well, have to. Uh, look. It's a character. If it's so a <laughs> this. I I just thought of this. This is cool, but we should get Pat to do this. What is it? Opening it now. Oh yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Dude, you're sure. gonna love this. You're gonna love <laughs> this. All the sea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. 100%. Well, I'm worried about what you guys want me to be, but we'll go cross the bridge. (laughs) Go subscribe to the YouTube channel, because when that happens, Dylan's cosplaying at Comic-Con. I'm watching season one of Game of Thrones, and... uh, I'm doing something. We'll figure something out for Christian, and... Something unique to where it's not, like, common. Like, I don't want to be, like, for example, cool superhero, but I don't want to be Spider-Man, because I'll be one of, like, a thousand. You know? Like, something... If you're going to troll me, at least Kyle. Kyle. Kyle, he has to be the bagel. 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> Dylan will understand the... that when he gets to watch the movie. Yeah. <laughs> um, but make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel and be sure to get your merch. I'm rocking it right now, boys. Let's hey. Go. Streamer season merch is available. Go. Get your merch from our awesome merch partners at PHI Apparel Company. There's no doubt in our minds that when you guys are Netflix and chilling, when you're going to the movie theater, or just you know hanging out by yourself watching your favorite shows and movies, you are going to be the most unique in that room because you're rocking merch from PHI Apparel Company. It's legit one of the most, if not the most, comfortable hoodie I own. We've got streamer season shirts and hoodies. These are all first edition streamer season merch capsules. Go to phiapparel.co, use code UNDERGROUND, and you'll get 10% off your order. That's exactly how they know you're coming from us as well. So go to phiapparel.co, code UNDERGROUND, 10% off your order. The best in the game. Shout out to PHI Apparel Company. They are presenting our segment here on the finale of The Last of Us, Episode 9 boys what a ride it's been uh it's it's sure. been a roller coaster of emotion and just unbelievable television uh christian do you want to hit the uh spoiler warning alarm ladies and gentlemen this is a spoiler warning we will now be talking about the last of us finale so if you have not watched, I suggest you press pause, go watch that episode, and come right back. This so here, has been your spoiler warning. Beep. Here we go. Uh, episode 9, Look for the Light, the finale of The Last of Us. Um, what an awesome show. Can't wait to go back and clip... Uh, the week before the show debuted, when Christian said this was going to be one of the best shows ever, um, because it's was certainly it turning out to be that way. And uh, this episode was pretty damn awesome. Uh, Dylan, I'll start with you since you played the video game. Your overall thoughts on episode nine? I was sitting on that ending for so long for you too. <laughs> Anyone else, like my parents, who like hasn't played the video game i'm like jealous for you guys to know because like i feel like if you don't even know the game at all it, it, so, it, like, it, like it just it just happened well like i don't know just it did justice you know so i knew the ending because wikipedia but uh, that's a... <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know <laughs> you, you win some you lose some yeah, that happens to everyone. We we all know a couple of things that we shouldn't shouldn't about TV films and movies before. Yeah, but but seriously though, like the ending was just it actually plays out very similar to the game. Um, I believe the only difference is, and because I played the game very much into Joel, when you go into the operating room, I think you don't even have to shoot the doctor; you can like stab him. I, I basically. <laughs> With a um, form of murder, whatever the little the little doctor knives, the, the fancy name for him. Uh, we got options. Yeah. <laughs> so my point is scalpels. The violence. Scalpels. Yeah, there you go. They, they. Thank you. I said that. I got it. I got it. At the last second. They 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 nerfed uh they nerfed the violence in that aspect. But 
very much. Uh, it was cool seeing Joel Wick. So I like that. Joel Wick. I like that. <laughs> uh, but we, we start this episode off with uh, another video game uh, character, actor, portrayal. Uh, a pregnant woman named Anna, played by Ashley Johnson, who is the voice of Ellie in the video mm-hmm. games. Uh, she flees a pursuing infected by hiding in a house, and the creature breaks in and ends up biting Anna as she gives birth to Ellie. Um, who is the alone in your group of survivors? Yeah, like, the, yeah right? Like, that was know. odd. Um, also, kind of wild how much Ashley Johnson and um, Bella Ramsey look alike. Like, they had a lot of similarities where I was like, oh, well, like... That at works. That's, that's well, a really good portrayal there. Funny, funny story. That that is actually the LA voice actor from the game. Yep. Yep. And uh, so the infected comes in, and Anna stabs it. I I love when they stab the infected in this show. It's Stabby so satisfying. Stabby. Like Could when I- they stab the infected, it is it is like the equivalent to me of popping bubble wrap. <laughs> Green, but okay. It just took out one of my. <laughs> it's a knife. Um, it's a knife. This is a knife. So sometime later, uh, they are found by Marlene, Meryl Dandridge's character, uh, and a group of fireflies. And Anna asks Marlene to kill her and take Ellie back to Boston. Marlene hesitantly kills Anna and walks away with Ellie. Uh, and in the present day, Joel and Ellie arrive in Salt Lake City, Utah. Uh, in search of the Fireflies secret lab. Uh, Ellie, still traumatized after her encounter with David, is unusually unusually, uh, taciturn uh, until they encounter a herd of giraffes. I don't want to grow up. I want to be a Toys R Us kid. (laughs) It's a giraffe. Um, That was wild. I wasn't expecting that at all. I was like, where where are these giraffes coming from? The zoo. It wasn't Um, the I was like, good on those giraffes surviving the, <laughs> the apocalypse. Dude, I thought that's the thing when I played the game. You see, like, you see, we saw the monkeys, but you see them, like, again. You see giraffes, you see, like, deer, you see dog, you see, like, you see, like, a bunch of wild animals. And I'm like, dude, I'm like, humans must just, must just fucking suck at, like, surviving. <laughs> the zoo animals are like, bitch, we lived. <laughs> like, right. And then, well, like, Joel's brother had a horse. Like, well, well, it's a question. Uh, it, it's a question of are the zombies attacking animals? No. They say if you Google like on the wiki for the show or the game, they say they do, but I don't remember. <laughs> just... I don't remember any moments in the game where they're like attacking the animals, and that makes sense because like rats can move, but they can't spread that like, long. Like, like, th- like, think, think about the first episode. That dog fucking ran. <laughs> Well, that's also that's the that's the uh, most people. What you just said is exactly what people use the logic. They're like animals instinctively have the fight or flight like reflex to max, and they have predators in the wild, whether they're captivated or not. So basically, basically the whole theory is well, animals are better because they actually have predators where we don't really technically have predators as humans. So, but yeah, kind of agree. I'm like, how are these giraffes still chilling? Yeah, I was like, dang, these giraffes is thriving out here. Um, no care in the world. Just eating leaves from <laughs> just vibes. 
Giraffes and vibes. That's all we need. Put it on a shirt. <laughs> Giraffes and vibes. Uh, that lifts Ellie's mood, and Joel tells Ellie uh, that they can return to Tommy's community in Jackson, Wyoming, and forget about their destination. To which Ellie says, after all that they've been through, after all she's done, she wants to finish their journey. Later on, Joel opens up about his suicide attempt after Sarah's death and requests Ellie tell some jokes from her book. They are ambushed by Firefly soldiers uh, who capture Ellie and knock Joel unconscious. After Joel awakens in a hospital, Marlene explains doctors are preparing surgery on Ellie to extract samples of her brain to study her immunity to cordyceps, a procedure that will kill her. Marlene orders two soldiers to escort Joel out of the hospital, and Joel subdues and executes the two soldiers and takes one of their rifles. Dylan, this was what you've been waiting for all season to let us know that Joel's, Joel's not that great. No, he made a choice that literally we'll talk about shortly that uh, many people who beat in the game like debate and debate and debate and debate about this. I'm just astounded by like the lax, like the guards. It kind of happened in the game too. They're like the worst. Like Joel stops like 18 times and they're like, wow, <laughs> stop doing that, bro. Like, no, like <laughs> this guy's super dangerous. Come He's on, thinking- bro. Keep moving, bro. He single-handedly crossed the country with a, an annoying at teenage girl. As much as I love her, like he he knows how to get shit done. Like you have to handcuff him. Like common sense. Like you should have they should have like handcuffed him or uh, zip tied him, and then when he was free, like cut him loose. Or, you know what I mean? But um, they paid the price because, like I said, he went literally go wick on them. And I, I Tyler, my my brother was counting, and there was quite a few people that met their maker. Yeah, uh, he moves through the hospital to the operating room, killing most of the Firefly soldiers and the lead surgeon operating on Ellie. He takes the unconscious Ellie and leaves the hospital. Dylan, we were talking pre-show. I want you to bring this up because uh, you My said doctor. The, the doctor like whole proposition is wild. I didn't even think about it when I was watching the episode. This is this is a great takeaway from the episode. So. Everyone in the operating room looked objectively young, like 50 or lower 50 and young. So my point is the world ended in the show version in 2003. So unless you were 30 plus years old and actually actively a doctor, you would obviously be a lot older. So my point is the people in the operating room, there's a chance that they aren't even like legit doctors. They're probably they're probably like two years of med school. The world ended, and then they were like, "Is anyone a doctor here?" And they were like, "I'm a doctor. <laughs> Trust I'm a doctor. me, I be a the doctor." So, so it's a it's a who? good thing, Doctor Who. Off camera, if someone was, you know, obviously it's simple math, but if you were like forty something, and the world twenty years later, you're sixty, so you'd be old. You'd be an older man. So the people in the room not look old, and it raises the question: like, a, how legit are their claims? And I'm using this as a roundabout way to say. In an indirect way, maybe what Joel did isn't the worst scenario because realistically, he's letting three people with like five years combined med school experience slice open a young girl's brain. So, <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't know. Yeah, who knows how successful they would have been. Um, yeah, we have the only patient in the world and uh, we're going to kill her. Yeah, <laughs> smart. We may or may not know what we're doing. It's like uh, it's like the episode of SpongeBob when he's got the suds and Patrick's like, don't touch me, I'm sterile. That's yeah. what those doctors are. You, you don't know how good they are at their job. 
Um, we'll put that as a poll on on Twitter and Instagram to see what people think about the doctors for sure. Um, so he kills most of the soldiers. The lead surgeon takes Ellie, uh, and they leave the hospital. Marlene intercepts them in a parking garage, uh, stating that there's still time for Joel to do the right thing, but he shoots and kills her, which was like, holy shit. Um, and when Ellie wakes up as they are driving out of the city, Joel lies, telling her the Fireflies had found other immune people and were unable to create a cure, and he quickly left with Ellie. What was that? That's where he, that's where, in my opinion, that's where I feel like she deduced he was lying. He shouldn't have said that part. He could have said something else. Like, he could have just been like, um, they were attacked or whatever. Something along those lines, which he does say, and like, leave it at that. The fact that he's like, oh, actually, there were like 12 other people just like you, and uh, it's kumbaya. The world, you know what I mean? Like, no, she's not, she's not stupid. She's a very smart girl. You think I'm dumb? That's the whole point of her character is that she's too intelligent for her own good. Yeah, it's uh, that was it was in that moment Joel realized he, he fucked up. up. Um, yeah. So he tells her the Fireflies had found other immune people and were unable to create a cure. And he quickly left with Ellie as the hospital was attacked by raiders, uh, not the ones from Las Vegas uh, or Ra- the Lost Ooh. Ark. D- damn it, Kyle! That's I was <laughs> I was just about to fucking go there. I was just about to fucking go there. Uh, after their car breaks down they hike to Jackson and Ellie expresses her survivor guilt and at her insistence Joel swears his story about the fireflies is true Ellie hesitates before replying okay and we cut to credits and that is episode 9 that is season 1 of The Last Last of Us Christian I'll kick it to you your overall thoughts your thoughts on this episode, your thoughts on the season as a whole, how do you how do you like decompress and unpack everything that we saw? I feel like the the season started out strong, kind of waned off a little in 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 the middle, and I say waned off come come compared like Instead of nines for me, it's eight point whatever. So take take yeah. Wayne with a grain of salt, <laughs> uh, but then closed strong. It's 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 one of the better first seasons of TV in a long time. Like it, it's even though this is technically going to be like more like a limited series type thing, but there's a but there's season two and season two is like the second game, so there's going to be two seasons of this show, which again, I have, I have my whole qualms about shows like this, where it's like there's already a, 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 a defined runtime, but we're calling it a, a, a show, which whatever, but it is I think of shows that have premiered since 2020, like maybe the best just like straight debut like like of 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 the shows i think we we point out that that will be more than one season so that discount stuff like i may just i may destroy you in that it's like this and kyle you would you would probably put up abbott elementary and stuff like that yeah abbott elementary has been great it's it's in 
it's in in an elite class of modern TV, and it's probably the first great new prestige show we've had in a long time. Definitely agree with that. I think it's it's crazy just to think it's also doing justice to the video game, like at, like to show adaptation, and that goes back to what we've talked about before. When you bring in people who know what they're doing, and when you bring in like the actors and actresses and even bringing in the voice actors who obviously know the game it's all blended in very well and uh i'm very happy that this was this was a project i think it's already like one of the best zombie slash post-apocalyptic entities that has ever existed um which is not i guess it is saying a lot because there are there are quite a few zombie entries granted some zombie movies are dog dog crap, but <laughs> nonetheless I you do don't think. say yeah it's, I do think it's good. And it never comes off as cheesy, which is something that I feel like we all agree on. A lot of zombie films come off as cheesy. That's just kind of, you know, it's such a niche where this one really tunes into a lot of different emotions and, and, and vibes. Yeah. Um, it blew me away. I, I was like on the edge of my seat every single week watching this show. It had a number of just like jaw dropping moments throughout the entire season. And I think even without having played the video game, it felt like you were in a video game while watching a show in all the best ways possible. Like you felt like you were traveling along with the storyline, like it was progress. It progressed like a video game would progress. And I think this is the best adaptation of a video game that we've gotten. I think ever, Uh, whether it's show or movie, like they, they did such a phenomenal job especially with like the tweaks to make it better for TV. I yeah. thought that was really well done. Um, I, I think this is going to be one of the best shows we ever watch on this podcast yeah. for sure. Uh, and I want to do this moving forward. Cause I love that we did this. We did our preseason grade prediction and we have them. We're going to give our grade oh. <laughs> for episode nine and the season as a whole. And we'll see if it fully matches up with our preseason uh, range scale. But for episode nine, Christian, what's your uh, score? I'm gonna give it. It's 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 honestly hard to try and remember what episodes I did nine point whatever's in. So let's just say uh, nine point three. Shrug. I, I I I I think that number makes sense. <laughs> I like it, <laughs> Picasso. I like it. Uh, I'm gonna go nine point five. From La. I had a number in my head when I watched it the other day. I was like, "This is really good." Nine point five. <laughs> yeah, I'm right there with you, Dylan. I'm giving it a nine point five for episode nine. Um, I thought it was just really well done. Like the cliffhanger ending too is just spectacular. Um, and. Rotten Tomatoes has an 88% approval rating based on 32 reviews with an average rating of 8.8 out of 10. Uh, our rating overall with our three, it's 9.43333. So 9.4 for episode nine, which brings us to our second overall review of 2023. The first show review of 2023. Christian, your score for what you predicted to be one of the best shows ever is going to be. No, let me. 
I didn't say one of the best shows ever. I said the best show we've watched on this podcast. Which, in theory, best show ever. Sure. How, how, <laughs> however up. you want to spin it, Kyle. <laughs> however you want to spin it, buddy. Uh, I love that. I feel like I, I'm... I, I, I feel like I'm just going to bump it up slightly so I can say my prediction hit and say 9.6. <laughs> just because why not? There's Christian score 9.6 out of 10. It's probably, that's, around, that's around the range I was going to go in. I, mean, I was thinking 9.5 nine, to 9.7 range. This will be the highest I think I ever get. What was the highest I ever gave a show, Kyle? It was 9.5, right? Uh, I can check for you right now, Dylan. Uh, oh. Yep, 9.5 for Peacemaker Season 1. Yeah, so I, I fell in love with that show, but I fell in love with this one more. So I'm going to go 9.6 as well because I want a top Peacemaker. It deserves it. Um, In my humble opinion. I'm looking at just one thing. Yeah, I think I'm. I'm. I think we're gonna clean sweep it. I'm gonna hey. go nine six as well. So nine point six out of ten overall. It joins the nines club. Easy uh, on. Easy on the math there. It's a 9.6, which uh, in the overall category supersedes anything that the three of us have graded together. Uh, And on just a two-grade scale with myself and Dylan, it does surpass uh, Peacemaker Season 1 by .1. It surpasses Daredevil all three seasons together uh, by .3. Surpasses Moon Knight by point two, surpasses Stranger Things season four by point one, uh, and it surpasses House of the Dragon by point five. So this is across the board highest uh, collective <laughs> score. Um, it's pretty wild, pretty pretty Ooh-hoo. wild. There it is. Uh, the oh. Last of Us season one, nine point six out of ten. And I uh, can't wait to clip Christian's preseason prediction. And the preseason predictions that we all gave was that it was going to end up in the nines. So there you have it. So we'll, we'll do that for all the big projects. We'll do our uh, our preseason predictions and see if they come true. Uh, that way we can look back, you know, month month or two down the line, typically when these shows end, and see how it all plays out. I love that for us. We shall see. Shout out to The Last of Us. What a show. What an experience. Uh, which is going to bring us to... You already saw him at the top, but this is the first part we're recording. And Dylan is back. And he's back on the show that started the format of this version of Streamer Season Dylan Mando's back. Welcome back to the show, brother. Glad you're feeling better. Glad the Elvis is starting to leave you, as we have always called it. Uh, and when you told me the symptoms you had, it truly was the Elvis. Uh, so welcome back. <laughs> Happy to have you back on the show. Happy to have you back for Mando. Uh, yes, 
But what's going on, brother? Well, welcome back to the show. Talk to the people for a little bit. Yeah, I'm just happy. I mean, I'm sure hopefully if you're a longtime listener or first time listener, um, I hope you're happy to have me back. I'm happy to be back. Um, it's great to be healthier. I'm still on the road to getting fully, you know, you, you know how like, you're sick or you're off, you don't feel 100%. Um, I definitely feel closer to 100 than I did, did a couple weeks ago. So it's great. And like Kyle said, back from Mando, couldn't have uh, timed it better. Um, let alone season three of Mando, we've been lucky enough to cover it three times. We also, I also could talk, you know, the finale of Last of Us with you guys. So it worked out well in terms of uh, timing. Dylan's back. We're gonna dive into the Mandalorian episode three, chapter nineteen, titled "The Convert." It's brought to you by our amazing beer partners. Because Dylan's back, you know we had to do it. It's brought to you by Kenwood Beer. The official beer of Underground Sports Philadelphia. Guys, the madness is here. College basketball in full swing. There's no better way to sit back, relax, and kick back with an ice-cold Kenny. You can also do that while you're watching Mando, when you're watching uh, The Last of Us, if you haven't watched it yet. Uh, Succession on the way. Crack open an ice-cold Kenny. There's no better way to enjoy your favorite shows and movies than with a Kenwood beer in hand. You guys can go to KenwoodBeer.com. Use that all-new and improved Kenny tracker. See who's got it on tap if you're going out to the local bars in the Philadelphia area or get it at your local liquor store. If you're in the eastern Pennsylvania area, you can get it at your local home goods. Got to be 21 or older to do so. And, of course, please drink responsibly. Dylan, I'm going to let you uh, just give your open generic thoughts on the first couple of episodes since you missed uh episodes one and two but just your thoughts so far on mando season three what you've seen so far and what you've taken away uh from one of our favorite programs so i definitely think it's not bad uh which is a good thing i do think though out of all the three seasons it might be the least invested to an extent season i'm in and i'm not saying it's i'm knocking that that might be just because there's so much stuff going on at once like last of us um but as a whole i think it's doing fine uh i think it's definitely taking a different approach with storytelling like we've kind of almost have three storylines in this one uh being we recently got a new storyline this episode which we'll talk about we have the storyline of Grogu and Mando, and then we have the storyline of Bo-Katan and how she's going to come. And I guess the fourth one, if you want to, like, throw in the, you know, is this is the way, like, Colt, they've been doing their own thing. But we've, we've now seen them in twice in three episodes, which is more than I feel like some of the other seasons. Um, so I like that aspect. The first episode was, you know, I, I saw it got some, like, mixed reviews. I didn't think it was that bad. Uh, second episode I was a little displeased with because of the lighting. It was a Game of Thrones situation for me all over again. That could be partly because I have PTSD. Uh, Kyle didn't watch Game of Thrones, but he probably heard about it. I did. Just... I did hear the complaining from the one episode of uh, House of the Dragon that was dark. That's true. And <clears throat> it was Game of Thrones, it was like the pivotal battle scene, and you couldn't see shit. Like it was supposed to be like bodies, like Lord of the Rings epic battle. And you couldn't see anything. And so I guess that has just ruined me for dark shots, especially on TV shows. Um, so I wasn't a fan of that. At least Bo-Katan had a flashlight. That's true. She did. Bring, and she had a little orb floating light. She thing. kept she that her. motherfucking thing on her. <laughs> and she saw the giant monster. That was crazy. Um, but my point is, 
I like the way they're going. I'm curious how they're going though, because the third episode kind of throws a curveball. Well, I guess every, the first two, the second and third episode both give you curveballs. Because the second one, I just watched that, folks. I watched all three today for us. Um, the second one, that monster that captures Din, I, 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 I didn't know if it was like a general Grievous snake hybrid. It walked like Grievous. It, it breathed kind of weird. It, it was like metal, but inside not metal, which is like the same design as Grievous. Yeah, for everybody at home, Dylan's talking about like the mechanized spider thing that originally yeah. captures Din. Yes, 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 yes. Um, so that was like intriguing. Also, did like... you see like they somebody? I think it was Eric Voss in his uh, Easter egg breakdown. He like zoomed in on like the glowing like red orb that was like near the top of its like face, and there's just like an eye. Yeah, super look, creepy. Looks kind of humanish though, too. Yeah. So I have no idea what that's supposed to be, uh, but I hope they answer us because I was confused. And then the third episode, which we'll talk about, this one just happens. It's the same thing. There's a storyline that happens, and I'm, you kind of get the vibe the whole time. You're like, okay, well, someone's not being truthful about who they are. And then it finally happens, and you're like, well, I don't understand. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, I did see Eric Voss and Tommy Bechtold on uh, WikiLeaks on the uh, new rock stars youtube channel they said in a show like andor where you have like diego luna and scars guards and and all these high profile like shakespearean level actors like you want to follow along with like storylines and everything what we're going to get into here like the two curveball characters that we didn't see coming i feel like you didn't really need 40 minutes of them pretty much it was like 36 minutes of following along with them oh, like i get yeah. like yeah reintroducing them in a sense and like giving us a behind the curtain look at like what that side of this whole like storyline is going through but it did feel like a lot because like they're not over the top like compelling characters per se no, and I don't know if that's the characters or not to knock the actors, if it's the acting because their characters are kind of not generic, but they haven't done enough to like warrant excitement. I also like, think it's like a mindset thing for us. Like we saw these characters when we did and we kind of viewed them as like ancillary almost like we didn't expect to see them again, per se. And yeah, then they Fair. just come back and it's like, oh, OK. Yeah, it's one thing when you bring exactly. It's one thing when you bring like love side characters or a side character that the world didn't get a good enough look at. Like when we got the the first glimpse of the Boba Fett show, we were very excited because you know he literally is in the movies for like three seconds. I would be excited that they brought back other bounty hunters like Bosk, you know, or like Dengar, the dude wears the weird like rap thing. That's cool. But like these characters, like Kyle said, it was just kind of like okay, evil scientist, not really that evil. Gets to be not dead. Cool. Lady who's on ship. <laughs> like, cool. <laughs> like my brain was like, all right, I'm not going to store that information. So that's very accurate. Yeah. So let's get into the episode. This is, uh, as Christian has been dubbing, Christian's got a line. You've got a line, Dylan. Christian's new line is, uh, this is a spoiler warning. Repeat. This is a spoiler warning for chapter 19, the convert of season three of the Mandalorian. Uh, we pick up right where we left off in episode two of season three, where they're in the living waters, uh, kind of just coming up, you know, from rescuing Mando and uh, 
Bo-Katan kind of asks him, hey, like, you know, when you were down there, did did, did you see anything? Did you, did you see anything? Nothing. No, no Bo-Katan, I was dying. Um, I didn't see a single thing. Uh, and then <laughs> she, uh, she pretty much like confirms to to Din that he's redeemed. Like she was a witness. You're good. Let's let's blow this hot stand. And uh, she stares out into space, thinking of the Mythosaur. Which like again, I feel like nobody saw that coming this early in the season, let alone like ever. Um, so that was pretty wild. Um, they're uh, they're off, and then pew pew pew. Tie fighters out of nowhere, <laughs> just out of nowhere. So it has to be. Um, I'm gonna get super nerdy right quick. So there has to be a larger ship because Tie fighters, as we have learned, I think they cover it in Andor or Mandalorian at one point. They say it. Tie fighters do not have hyperspace capabilities. Right. Meaning they cannot jump from planet like we saw them do. So that means they had to either take off from a base. Or take off from a Imperial Star Destroyer, <laughs> which one I'm sure we'll probably get next week. I, I would insinuate, but nonetheless, yeah. And I mean, they just like I was like, what is happening? Like, where are these coming from? Um, so they start pursuing them. One of the Tie Fighters scores a hit on the gauntlet, and they realize that they're being attacked. And uh, they make plans to have Mando join the fight in his ship once they reach it, That's and Bo-Katan cold. shield. Uh, is unable to hold against so many ties. And as Mando mans the gauntlet guns, he asks who is coming after them. In response, Bo-Katan points out that she has angered a lot of Imperial warlords. Now, I haven't watched Rebels. It's on my to-do list, especially like with how I feel the direction of the Mandoverse is going. I don't know about you, Dylan. This is screaming thrawn it would make sense because he would be he'd be one of the only few people alive that would be able to hold some significance and like hold his men you know what i mean like hold power i guess for lack of a better word because so I, episode one like when we saw uh mando and grogu like going through hyperspace and everything and those like whale things they're from yeah. rebels um which, like, the outer layer of that is where Ezra and Thrawn got dragged into, and that's why nobody knows where they are. Plus, if you remember back to Season 2 when we saw Ahsoka in uh, The Mandalorian, she asked uh, Homegirl in her episode, you know, where's Thrawn? We know Thrawn's coming. And I know Dave Filoni and John Favreau keep saying, oh, it's it'll be in Ahsoka. That's meant for Ahsoka. Blah. Yeah. We're gonna. I feel like we're gonna get some sort of tease because I think this season of Mando is going to bleed into Ahsoka. I think so too, and it would make sense to keep Ezra alive because, or like the hope of him being alive in terms of, or not like coming the show or a show soon because I think it ties everything together perfectly for Disney for Star Wars, like Lucasfilm. So you have like the younger generation. And, and us, like, growing up with Grogu as, like, potentially the next, like, heir apparent. But then we also you also have Ezra from the Rebels show. And then, this is my, my theory, you also have Cal Kestis from the video game who happens to kind of fall into the same timeline. Because he's alive 
destroying the Empire. So, and this is the second game. So my point is, and it's played by the actor from Shameless. So there's really a scenario in which all three could kind of meet up. And that would be interesting because they'd all be on different levels of like learning and dealing with the Force. And it's not really too far fetched because there, as we know, you know, there happens to not be that many Jedi these days. Uh, there kind of was a thing that happened. <laughs> we don't have to go into that. Kind of stuck for them. Oh no, but, not again. <laughs> yeah, they're like really beating it over the head recently in Disney adaptations. Um, but I think it'd be cool because it would tie in three different entities. Like it would tie in the Mandalorian, Rebels, and the for- the the not fortunately least uh, Jedi Fallen Order game. And you could probably throw in CGI Luke if you want to as well. I don't know. But the point is, I think they're going towards that direction. Uh, Dylan feels like another school's coming along sooner or later. We did get a school. We (laughs) did get a school reference in in episode one, Dylan. Them boys wanted to drink at that school. Um, (laughs) But Bo-Katan and Mando, they end up, you know, getting away from the TIE Fighters, they jump into hyperspace uh, to a place that they'll never find. And then we jump away from Mando and Bo-Katan for a majority of the episode after this. Uh, and we dive into this new storyline. That's why this... Uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know, I'm mixed on this. I'm like up and down. Um, And we see 2023's imagination, of course, on which I don't know about you, I was like, oh, this is really cool. That was the cool... I'm sorry, these actors. You're a nice piece. That was the coolest part of that 40-minute span. Like, just the the backdrop, I guess, for lack of better words. Like, just looking at how awesome Coruscant looked. Like, and how, I guess, peaceful. Because usually when you see it, it's usually with Senate meetings or, like, we saw some, like, street level or we see way back, you want to buy a death stick, you know? Like, let's see. <laughs> We see different levels of it. So we saw like a more wholesome, you know, like friendly vibe going on. It was kind of like an aerial view too, which was really neat to kind of just see like the landscape of everything. I thought they did a brilliant job with uh, the the 4K uh, (laughs) remastered edition of Coruscant. Um, So patrons fill the galaxy's opera house to hear Dr. Penn Pershing back Uh, from the depths of of our brains uh a former imperial scientist who we saw in season two of mando uh making clones <laughs> and when i when they showed the like previously on and showed that episode yeah it was a random spot right to have him of all i was like what are what are we doing was that season one or was that season two Season one was him. yeah, it was, it was season one. So that old doctor guy or old NPO yeah. guy. So season one, we get a flashback to, and I was like, "What are we doing, going all the way back to here?" And then we see Doctor Penn Pershing, who once worked for Moff Gideon, uh, speak on his experience in the Amnesty program, uh, which seems to be just the uh, name for. Everybody who once worked for the Empire and is trying to get good. It's it's like your uh it's your rehab from the Empire. Which is a kind of a cool concept. Yeah. In, I guess my, my cynical brain is like, do you think it's a good idea to put everyone who worked in the Empire together in one facility in one job? Because that's just like that's just screaming like terror cells. Like you are 
creating the New Republic version of the IRA <laughs> indirectly. But nonetheless, I, the, my wholesome part of my brain is like, well, it's giving them the chance to rehabilitate and become members of society again. It does seem, though, like when we have the, see them in the conversation, you can kind of see the, the, the drift in terms of like the two characters it follows uh, are both conflicted, uh, both for different reasons, <laughs> way different as we learn. Well, the other guys that were having the drink, they seem like they completely bought into the new Republic Amnesty mm-hmm. program. Yeah, this is great. <laughs> I miss my cornbread, but I love it here. <laughs> I miss my cornbread. Yeah, I mean, it was also very strange that they just openly allowed Dr. Pershing to, like, give a whole full-blown, like, testimonial in front of <laughs> everyone on course. That Like, I saw multiple, like different channels and everything being like that's like letting like a reformed and if you're just listening i put air quotes up reformed nazi like go and speak in front of like the senate like oh he's the good guy now he he undergoes shock therapy <laughs> he's fine <laughs> absolutely insane uh he claims that the amnesty program saved his life as he had no choice in working for the empire and he uh now wished to use his expertise to help the new republic one of the people in the audience is the communications officer who also formerly worked for moff gideon uh and pershing recounts how his mother died of heart failure and it was that incident that inspired him to work towards organ cloning technology to prevent a similar incident happening to others when he finishes his speech, he is surrounded by socialites fawning over him, which he endures with an awkward smile because he's an awkward motherfucker. Um, Pershing takes a taxi. <laughs> he's so strange. He is so strange, but they were. It was also really awkward. Like how they're praising him was awkward too. Like yeah, was, I think purpose. Like it was meant to be unsettling. But I was like, I was like, I was uncomfortable for him. They were like, Yeah, you like everything? Is it good? Is Ugh. it good? Like yes, he was a he was a he was kept a captive on a ship. I think he likes <laughs> having a so house. weird. Uh, so he takes a taxi to his new home uh, in the Amnesty housing, and the taxi droid gives him recommendations for sightseeing opportunities on Coruscant, as he is relatively new to the planet, including the Sky Dome, Botanical Gardens, and Holographic Museum of Extinct Animals. Uh, he exits the cab. And walks into the courtyard of Amnesty Housing, where four residents, all wearing Amnesty uniforms, which I couldn't help, but the pin that was on uh, Pershing's, like, thing, I was a little triggered, because it looked like a Staples logo. (laughs) Ah! (laughs) I was like, job. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I was like, god damn it. Uh... They're chatting over drinks, and one calls him over, introducing himself as Amnesty Officer M34. Uh, Pershing shakes his hand, offering his designation in turn, Amnesty Scientist L52. Pershing's pins indicate that he is new to Amnesty Housing, and he explains to Amnesty Officer M34 that he has just arrived from the Reintegration Institute. Uh, That sounds like one of those, like, Sunday afternoon commercials for, uh, like, a technical college. It does. Um, and it also sounds like, given what we see at the end of the episode, it just sounds like probably a place where a lot of uh, a lot of crazy stuff goes down. Yeah. He's from the Reintegration Institute of Technology. Uh, ah, I'm yeah. 30- <laughs> Great. Uh, 
M34 introduces the rest of the group, Amnesty Officer M40, Amnesty Officer G27, and Amnesty Officer G68, who Pershing recognizes as the communications officer who worked for Moff Gideon. When he remarks of this, the group exchanges the rumors they have heard about what happened to Gideon. One heard he escaped on the way to a war tribunal, and another claims that is merely a cover story to hide the fact that the New Republic had used a mind flayer, shout out Stranger Things, uh, on him. When they turn to G68, she admits that she tries not to think about him as she focuses instead on how she can contribute to the New Republic. Then we just like continue along this path of Pershing going back and forth of like, I'm supposed to be helping the new Republic now, but I want to continue my research. He teams up with G68 to like go and build this mini lab and they like break out of amnesty housing. Uh, and they're just traveling through Coruscant. Pershing is awkward as all get out as they're traveling through the streets. Bro, he's and still not- yeah, he was staring every security guard like down. He's like, <laughs> "How you doing?" <laughs> and you know, they go on the subway and everything, and then they're going to uh, try to get this mini lab, and they're going to steal everything that they need to get. And then we get a like helicopter essentially flying over. Pershing gets put under arrest. He has no idea how this happens. And then G sixty eight turns out to be a traitor, but we don't know what side either of them are truly on i would say like it's made out to be that like g68 is bad and like i think you and i both agree she she ain't good but we don't know if she's doing this for the new republic or who these people she's with are still like empire i couldn't really get the vibe from everything well I guess one theory is because she turns, spoiler, 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 she turns the dial up on the mind flare, essentially, um, which makes that it That boy a was looking like Will. <laughs> so, I'm assuming, is that like erase your mind or just mess it hurt you? I think no. it like messes with you, and I'm guessing what, it's more what, empire driven still. What if she's brainwashing him to be pro-empire? That's what sure. I was thinking too, because then she bites into her little, her little cornbread, you know, uh, empire meal thing, and he's getting mind flayed, which was the rumor that happened to Moff Gideon. Um, something tells me she's gonna pop up again for sure. We don't, uh, you know, what capacity of evil is she going to be in? Who I knows? Pops up again. They spent forty minutes on her, <laughs> right? And it's like one of those things though that. This all happens, but where is this storyline going to lead us? You know, that, I'm I'm totally fine with bringing these characters back into the fold. I think, it and you- I think one thing you and I both agree on, though, with the Mandalorian, is that they do a great job of setting these things up, and then an episode or two down the line, the payout happens, and it's like, oh, that episode makes a lot of sense now. Yeah, I, I, I agree to that. I think the payout will be us getting either Moff Gideon back, like she's working for him still, which would make sense. Or maybe she's working for another empire, like Warlord, like Thrawn, or someone else. Um, or maybe she's working, like I said, like in a, in a more terroristy, like, you know, terror, like, like, like small cell group. Who knows? We'll find out when it pays out. It just it was an interesting direction to spend so much time on those two, and 
you get little you get little subtle hints the whole time that she's not letting on to who she truly is. Um, especially, you know, like, I don't know why Pershing's dumb enough. Like, she jumps out of a moving train onto essentially like an air mattress, and he's like smiling and giggling. And I'm like, homie, do you not realize how calculated what this chick just did with you? Like, she's out here playing chess, and you're not even on the checkerboard yet. You're being played for a suck. He's playing, he's playing Connect Four. Literally. Um, so we get all that going down, and then we finally cut back to where Mando and Bo-Katan were traveling to. Uh, and we meet back up with our, our little Mando cult, uh, the cult of Mando, if you will. And, um, cult of John Favreau. <laughs> yeah. The, fa- the house Favreau. Um, <laughs> and I didn't think we would see these guys as quickly as we did. Um, also, Dylan, did you recognize from episode one who the, the Mando kid was? No. So he is Jimmy Kimmel's nephew. Okay. And he was also the kid in the commercials on WandaVision. Oh, that's cool. We and love I... a nepotism, baby. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh <God>. Um. <laughs> We meet back up with with them, and then, uh, you know, John Favreau's character is basically like, you know, you're both apostates. You both took your helmets off, blah, blah, blah. And then they bring the living waters back. Mando is redeemed by the armorer. uh, And because Bo-Katan was there at the same time and hasn't removed her helmet since... She's now redeemed and is indoctrinated into cult Favreau. And yeah. <laughs> uh, she kind of just stands there awkwardly, which I think a lot of people knowing Bo-Katan's character from the animated shows and how we've seen her so far in live action made a lot of sense. Dylan and I were talking pre-show. I think she was doing that to make it seem like she was like stunned and like didn't know how to respond. But in the back of her mind, Bo-Katan is there to, like, infiltrate and, like, do some devious shit. I think so. I, I think I think she wants to be, like, a leader, obviously, but she's a little upset because of, you know, things that recently happened. Uh, her, you know, like, her whole crew leaving her. Um, but this is a new opportunity. She literally stumbled upon a freaking cult. Like, it's like if anyone's easy to brainwash, it's the people who are already brainwashed, like you're saying. So it's easy pickings. And all she has to do is somehow, which I think she's going to do, like best Din or maybe best the armor lady or someone. She's going to challenge one of the main three people of the Covenant. And then she's going to be like, look, I wear the pants here. Like, listen to me. Um, I, I, she would say I have a castle, but that doesn't stand anymore. That shit got bombed. <laughs> and but, the crazy part is, too, in last week's episode, she full-blown picked up the Darksaber, did not care, and used it to mess with that mechanized spider thing. And did a lot better than then. So it's well. like, do you not have to win the Darksaber now by combat to wield it? Like, there's a lot of uh, question that goes yeah, in there. 
rule on the dark saber, like hypothetically, if the owner of the dark saber is unconscious, is it free game? Can I not use it still? Like what? Yeah, and I mean, she was gifted the dark saber in Rebels, and now she's like indoctrinated into this cult again. Hasn't taken her helmet off. They trust her. What if she just whips out the dark saber and like she's gonna lead the cult now? Luckily, it's on Din Djarin's back, but you could easily steal it from him. So I agree. I'm curious to see where that power struggle goes because. So far, Din doesn't really show any desire to, like, lead or he doesn't have, like, a true power hunger. He just kind of wants to do his part, be accepted, and he wants to help raise Grogu. Yeah. Wild episode. Um, It was directed by Lee Isaac Chung, who is a new um, addition to the Mandalorian, like, director carousel that we get every single season um i want to pull up what he's known for for you dylan just so you can kind of get an idea of uh some of his stuff here he has worked on uh the 2020 movie minari uh he's got a movie in 2024 coming out called twisters um twisters also worked on Kyle is checking. Uh, I lost it. Uh, it's a lot of like foreign films that he's worked on, um, which kind of gave like the vibe of this episode gave like a a foreign type of show, which I didn't hate. Like in terms of like the setting and like the plot and everything that kind of transpired, um, this episode was also. Uh, written by Noah Clore uh, and John Favreau. Uh, Noah Clore, known for that's kind of rhymes. Uh, oh, he's just like one of the the writers along with Favreau and Dave Filoni. Um, so we'll see his name pop up a bunch this season. Word. But Dylan. For the first time in a long time, you get to give a score on a show. Uh, but I'm going to uh, give you the critical reception here. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes, based on 16 reviews, gave an average score of 81% for this episode and an average uh, 7.2 out of 10 rating. Uh, and the website's critical consensus reads, While the Mandalorian's foray into moral ambiguity feels somewhat out of place, Omid Abat, uh, Abtahi's sympathetic performance will win over many to the convert, which I think kind of lines up with everything we felt about this episode. Yeah, I was going to rate it around there, too. Uh, it sucks that my first Mandalorian score might not be as high as the other seasons, um, but I was actually probably going to give it like a 7, 7.1. So I'm, I'm agreeing with the consensus. And I don't hate it. I mean, obviously, a 7 out of 10 is still not bad. Um, it's just... I really didn't need 40 minutes of those two side characters. And for anyone listening, if you disagree, that's fine. But that is a large margin of an episode that is just under an hour to literally have predominantly a majority of it dedicated to those two. And I hopefully, like Kyle said, like we said, hopefully it comes to fruition and we're both like, and you guys can call me out, blow me up on Twitter and be like, ha, that's why, dummy. And I'll be like, you're right. But as of now, I'm like, 
okay, I don't know where this is going. And so I'm far, hoping that it's like how, because I felt like episode one and two, and a lot of people said this when they did like the big Hollywood premiere for everything, um, that episode one and two were kind of like a tandem. And once you watch two, it you kind of understood that vibe and both I think you mm-hmm. can appreciate much more. I'm hoping next week's episode is a tandem with this one and kind of ties up a lot of the loose ends and makes us understand why we got introduced to these characters again and what's truly going on. Uh, I'm going to give it a little bit of a higher, but I'm still kind of in the sevens. I'm going to give it a 7-7 seven, because seven, um, I think this is like, from the standpoint of that ending, it's a big like plot setup almost, yeah. I think, episode. Um, so I think like in the end game, it's going to be an important, um, episode to kind of like divulge into, um, yeah. definitely our lowest of the season. Cause I think episodes one and two were fantastic. Um, but overall score 7.4, still a solid score for Mando. Uh, and it's not going anywhere. And, uh, we are going to get right back into it with a triple box streamer season episode get down on it it's poker face episode six is brought to you by our awesome partners over at tomahawk shades the best small batch eyewear in the game guys daylight savings time is here sun's out longer got to protect those eyes wear your blue light glasses when you're watching poker face or your favorite shows and movies uh tomahawkshades.com is the place to go they also have prescription lenses available uh when you go to check out, use our promo code USP for 25% off your entire order. That's a whopping discount. And it's already an affordable product at a fraction of the price of the big retailers. And you're getting it even cheaper thanks to our friends over at Tomahawk Shades. When you use our code USP for 25% off your order. Christian, episode 6 of Poker Face Exit Stage Death. We got an appearance from Jamila Jamil for a short-winded amount of time. Um... Tim Meadows in this episode, Ellen Barkin in this episode. Uh, overall, what was your uh, your your give and take from episode six? So while still very solid, this was probably my least favorite episode of the entire season. It it it, it kind of just it felt kind of clunky in the grand scale of things. Be because you very get much like a shift in storytelling on these next two to three episodes. You get a shift in endings and the world just kind of feel a little more rushed. Yeah, it was, um, it was like, like you said, it was clunky, but at the same time, it felt like they were like moving really, really fast. Yeah. For some reason. Um, when I feel like they could have, extended just a little bit to like get more points across and like better tell the plot and the story of this episode. Um, still a fun one to follow along with. Uh, but Christian, uh, do you want to hit the spoiler warning? Ladies and gentlemen, this is a spoiler warning. You have now been warned. I suggest you turn on Natasha Leone and her smoker pack voice to then watch this episode and then come back. So episode six, uh, we start off with veteran TV actress, Kathleen Townsend played by Ellen Barkin arriving at a mansion to visit her old co-star, Michael Graves played by Tim Meadows. 
uh, former stars of the acclaimed buddy cop, buddy cop show, Spooky and the Cop, Roy Sraggy. They now despise each other. Michael has married a younger woman named Ava, played by Jamila Jamil, uh, who made a fortune by funding She Trade, an online discount brokerage for women. Uh, Kathleen begs Michael to reunite in a one-night-only performance of The Ghost of Pensacola at a dinner theater to revitalize her career, and he reluctantly accepts after Ava convinces him. After three weeks of rehearsals, Kathleen's demanding directing and Michael's behavior make for a toxic environment. The play includes several stage effects, including shaking rafters to simulate planes flying overhead and a trap door for Kathleen, all designed by stage manager Phil, played by Chris McKinney. During the performance, as castmate Rebecca, played by Audrey Corsa, delivers a monologue in character as their crippled daughter, the two stage an argument over the over their earpieces overheard by the theater staff, during which Kathleen rigs the spotlight to fall during the plane effect, and Michael sabotages the trap door, removing the mat below and replacing the stop on the door with a piece of dry ice. When the spotlight just misses Michael, he seemingly collapses due to stress-induced uh, stress heart condition. As Ava rushes to the stage to give him his medication, she falls through the trapdoor and is killed with the police deeming it an accident. It is revealed that Kathleen and Michael are lovers and conspired to kill Ava for her fortune. Three weeks prior, Charlie, obviously Natasha Leone's character, is fired from her job as a waitress, and she runs into Phil, who refers to, uh, to her job... Sorry, who refers... Her for a job at the dinner theater. During rehearsal, Charlie annoys Kathleen by performing her duties while wearing soundproof earbuds. Charlie decides Kathleen's acting with her anti-lying ability, calling out Kathleen's lack of conviction. And Ava tips Charlie to ensure her wine glass is never empty during the show. Phil is de uh, derelict in his stage managing duties, having fallen asleep after Kathleen drugged his thermos. What a scheme. Uh, despite the police ruling it was an accident, Phil blames himself for Ava's death, and the cast then prepares for an encore performance the next day, now sold out. Before the performance, Rebecca confronts Kathleen and Michael with a script of the argument they had to cover up the murder, which she notes was plagiarized from an episode of Spooky and the Cop. Uh, she demands $5 million wired to her account by the end of the play, or she will tell the police. While investigating the incident, Charlie deduces that someone tried to kill Kathleen after watching a recording uh, from the previous night and noticing mist coming from the sublimating dry ice under the trapdoor and Kathleen's mark over it. As she tries to warn Kathleen during the play, Charlie notes that Michael's hand has the same burn marks as hers from picking up dry ice. She spots a feather from Kathleen's costume in the rafters and listens to the conviction in Kathleen's voice when professing her love for Michael during the performance, making her realize they conspired together to kill Ava. She states her suspicions to Rebecca, who covers for them, but Charlie notes that she is also lying. She finds the script of insults uh, and also discovers that Kathleen has placed peanut butter in the prop snack mix, which could trigger Rebecca's allergy. Charlie is forced to enter on stage and improvise dialogue to prevent Rebecca's death. After Charlie exits, Rebecca, in character, tells Kathleen and Michael that her demands have doubled and they must pay her immediately, prompting them to leave the stage during her monologue. Kathleen and Michael argue backstage while Charlie supplies the sheriff with earpieces that record their conversation. They confess to planning to kill Rebecca and paying her off. Knowing that their fate is sealed, they proceed on stage for the last time and the police arrive, but allow them to complete the performance, which culminates with Kathleen 
falling through the trapdoor after her character's final monologue. It's a lot to unpack, and as we said, it was a bit clunky of an episode, a bit like difficult to like the pacing being off. Not sure um, why that was, because I feel like this is the first episode that was kind of like that. Um, but an interesting episode, fun little plot. I love theater, obviously, so it was fun for me there. Um, but overall, I think the the casting once again was pretty damn good, and uh, the episode, you know, does does what the episodes of Poker Face do. They provide you with fun, uh, Columbo esque, you know, murder mysteries, and got the job done once again. Christian, the uh, the critic reviews were extremely positive for this episode. Solani Gajar of the AV Club gave the episode an A minus grade and wrote, Poker Face does an excellent job of making the supporting characters feel lived in. It's the most crucial yet challenging aspect of the show because the episodes don't open with Leon's Charlie Kale, uh, who tends to enter the picture a good 15 to 20 minutes in, but with the killers and their victims. Uh, and it... Except PF ensures they're uh, not monotonous uh it's easy to invest in all of their stories which explains why charlie is also drawn to the case and is motivated to solve the crime much like colombo or even veronica mars her reasons are usually personal and not because she's a detective on the job so it make, makes poker face stand out too overall your uh your takeaway from this episode and how it uh kind of adds to the overarching plot of poker face uh, so the next few episodes, as you'll see, kind of differentiate from the, from the first kind of five, where it's a little more of a, it, in a, in a bottle type of stories that kind of drops the somewhat linear nature of things, but it's, it, 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 it's a solid piece of TV. It's an episode I wish was so much long longer, though. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think the runtime on it was like 46 minutes or something yeah. like that. So one of the shorter episodes of the season, but nonetheless pretty solid. Christian, your score for Poker Face Episode 6 is going to be... 7? Yeah, I'm going to give it a 7.4. Um wasn't the best it wasn't like the worst episode of tv to watch but in terms of like this series it was tough to follow along with but still kind of got the job done so that's a 7.2 out of 10 for poker face episode 6 more than halfway through breaking that one down which now brings us to the big dog of this episode everything everywhere everywhere all all at, at once, once. Uh, it's brought to you by our amazing partners over at Dubby Energy. Dubby's keeping us energized throughout the entire month of March and all year round. Uh, they are going to war on Big Energy because they were tired of Big Energy just trying to take advantage of their customers and, and worrying about profits instead of quality. And uh, they decided we're going to take it into our own hands. Uh they were tired of profit over quality and making energy drinks loaded with jitters, maltodextrin filler, artificial colors and dye, sugars, and other BS. Just take a peek for yourself at the nutrition label on an energy drink that might be in your hand right now that's not named Dubby. 
they grew upset with these types of energy drinks and decided to wage the war on big energy by releasing their own energy drinks, which are cleaner and jitter and crash free. Here's to paving the road for a better future for energy drinks where the status quo is no longer profits over quality, where quality actually matters and where energy drinks don't get a bad rap for being unhealthy and harmful to consume. Will you stand with Dubby and go to war on big energy? They just had a huge restock, uh, including the big energy tears, blue raspberry flavor, including the passion joy tea, passion fruit, iced tea flavor, the push and punch fruit punch flavor. What I'm sipping on right now, the beach and peach, which is the white peach mango cooler. And uh, pretty soon, Galaxy Grenade and Dub Sludge will be back in stock. I can't wait to try Galaxy Grenade. That flavor is uh, watermelon, guava, and lime. It sounds delicious. And they also have, if you're trying to you know, wean off the caffeine but need that hydration, they've got the Monkey Madness Hydro Hydration, which is strawberry banana flavor. Get all these phenomenal flavors. Stock up on energy. Stay ready to roll throughout the NCAA tournament when you're watching your favorite shows and movies. And when you go to check out at w.gg, use code UNDERGROUND, and you get 10% off your entire order from our friends at Dubby. That's w.gg. Use code UNDERGROUND for 10% off your order. Christian, you came over to Underground Studios on Tuesday. We watched everything everywhere all at once. What a wild ride it was. The best picture winner this year at the Oscars. Um, first things first, I will say this after watching the movie, there's a reason it won best picture. <laughs> there's a reason it won. Best it is, picture. it is one of the most unique and just well put together movies you'll ever watch. Um, it keeps you on the edge of your seat the entire time in a sense of what the fuck am I watching? but in all the best ways. And I now understand why everybody who watched this movie said that they wished the portrayal of the multiverse could have been that way in multiverse of madness. Um, see, um, see, I, I don't inherently agree with that. Simply because the way I think you make Multiverse of Madness better is you just let Raimi go full Sam, go full Sam, Raimi when doing it, but that ends up with you at like a R rating, so you can't let Sam Raimi go full Sam Raimi. But like, in my opinion, like if you had Sam, Sam Raimi involved in that movie from from the start. I think that could have been like a legitimately good film, but instead it 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 had parts that feel parts that felt like oh this this this, this is a Sam Raimi film and it's like oh Marvel film Marvel film and like there there was no cohesive nature to it like there is with for example the black the Black Panther films like but. Anyway, I think what I I was taking away from it was more so the way that they show the different multiverses, um, especially with uh, mom and daughter. Um, I wish we could have seen that with 
Doctor Strange and America Chavez um, instead of just like a 30 second spiraling through different multiverses and just gotten more of an in-depth look at them throughout different, you know, aspects and stuff. Um, but overall, that that was a better, clearer understanding of, of why people said all of that um, after watching Everything Everywhere All at Once and Multiverse of Madness. Christian, I'll, I'll give you the floor to give your overall thoughts and the spoiler warning here. Uh, Dylan said he is planning on watching this movie. Uh, just has to watch it, and then he will deliver his review once it's watched. So the score will change a bit on the aggregate, but Christian, the floor is yours. This is a spoiler warning, though I will say it's kind of impossible to spoil this film. <laughs> Kyle now... Kyle now knows this. Be, yeah. Be, because I I can give you a two to three sentence byline, but that doesn't do the movie justice anywhere at all. Uh, Not at all. This is your spoiler warning. Go watch the best picture winner from this year. It's on Showtime, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, so, which for everybody at home, if you have Amazon Prime, you have access to Showtime. Yeah, so guys, that 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 thing um yeah so i saw this movie when it first came out in theaters about like a yearish ago i saw it with like a half full crowd and it was like the this is a movie truly of two halves the the first half of this movie as kyle can attest you are pissing yourself la laughing like there's truly outrageous shit but it's but despite how out outrageous it is it holds so much meaning and it means something like this is a film that could have been so silly and just had no weight to any of the silliness but the silliness has weight which is the brilliance of it uh and then the and then the second half is a more normal, if that's even the word for it, um, part of the film that's a that examines the mother daughter relationship, exam, uh, examines uh, husband and wife, examines father and daughter, examines the immigrant experience and just everything and i saw this movie two to three times in theaters i've seen it two or three times on the dvd i have i i have the poster in my closet because per perks of work and movie theater guys um it it is probably a let, let's just say since 2018, so 2018, 19, 20, 21, 20, 22. Of the films of the last five years, this is by this is the second best best picture winner. And it's second best because Parasite exists. And like, listen, I love everything everywhere all at once. But it's a movie you grow tired of if you watch it uh, enough times within a, within a span of time because it's just so much Parasite just 
cooks all the time be because it's a much subtler film but yeah i mean <laughs> michelle yo kicks ass stephanie yeah. sue kicks ass as all of us film buffs have been saying she's the one who deserves supporting actress not jamie lee curtis but give it to jamie lee curtis because she's she she's a genre queen and she never got a uh she never got an oscar during the heart of her career uh Ki uh, 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 Hui Kwan, I hate trying to pronounce his name again. Uh, amazing, Kyle. In, 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 in another life, I'd just love to do laundry and taxes with you. Oh. Like, it, like that. We got to put line, that on a shirt. <laughs> that, that, that was one of the lines of last year. Just like there's, there's not much I can say besides it's both an, an absolutely uproarious, hilarious, zany action comedy that that makes the Matrix look normal, and then it's a family drama that's also about ni- also about nihilism and relationships. It's it's a movie that will have you laughing and crying in the span of two and a half hours. Like it's there's there's not much like it. Yeah, literally like a one of a kind movie. Um, Take take it away, Kyle. I love the portrayal of the multiverse. Um, I think the only like head scratcher moment that i had when it came to like the multiverse aspect of it was like yes they showed uh kihui kwan's uh character on the security cameras like jumping around it's like what the fuck is he doing (laughs) um (laughs) it's like what is going on i think that was like the only like thing where like they didn't like say where the multiverse fully came from like well, no, in your no. in your face, no way. They, they did say it. I might have just not picked up on it. Uh, so they basically in in the uh, in the Alpha universe, which, which which is not the universe this film is set in, right? Uh. Mm, Evelyn, uh, Evelyn and Wayman are are scientists who are scientists who work uh, who develop a way to make to make contact with other universes. They subject this. They subject her daughter to this so much that she breaks and becomes evil, and so and and. And Evelyn Prime dies. Therefore, uh, therefore, Waymond has to travel the multiverse to find someone who can stand up to the evil version of their daughter who jumps from universe to universe, who, who in her own way is trying to find 
the Evelyn that hit that is her match, so they can die together mm-hmm. using the everything bagel, <laughs> which is a, uh. such a stupid sentence. <laughs> such a stupid sentence, but uh, it works. Yeah, the um, it, I do have to say, like Jamie Lee Curtis fucking crushes it in yeah. this movie, like. She, I obviously watched the Oscars before watching the movie. So I was like, okay, like, you know, I get like this movie's like doing numbies and like cleaning up at the Oscars. So like she's going to get it. I now understand like, like there's an argument to be had that like it could have gone between her and Angela Bassett, like everyone is saying. But like the justification. The justification for Jamie Lee Curtis after you watch this movie is there. Yeah. Um, I thought Kihui Kwan was... He's my favorite part of the movie. Like, Michelle Yeoh is fantastic. Don't get it twisted. Yeah. But, like, the the fun, the witty, the... The balancing act he has like, to do. He's so magnificent at all of it. And just the emotional uh, aspect that he delivers, um, he stole the show, in my opinion. It was just so phenomenal, like, unbelievable job by him. He was my my favorite part of the movie. Which, I mean, it was, it was, it was his first acting credit in a film since 2002. And he wins an Oscar. Wild. And then gets a Disney contract after. <laughs> uh, gets a Disney contract where, uh, where uh, first he has the show with Michelle Yeoh and Stephanie Su, which is uh, Chinese-born Asian. Yeah. Chinese-born in- American. Yeah. And he's in Loki season two. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like... Throw that man the bag. Like, just such a job well done. Michelle Yeoh is magnificent. Uh, what a what icon, a line at the icon. Oscars, too. Uh, you know, don't tell anyone. Don't let anyone tell you you're past your prime. Um, just a, a brilliant, brilliant movie. And uh, like Christian said, it, it's, like, impossible to spoil it. We're not going to, like, break it all the way down full-blown. We're going to, like touch every aspect of it in just a cursory aspect. Kyle. Raccoon. <laughs> Raccoonie. That that is the stupidest joke, but it's so good. It's so good. But it's so stupid. It's so dumb. <laughs> it's so dumb. But okay, hold on. Uh, spoiler uh spoiler warning. Uh so, Evelyn thinks the name of Ratatouille is Rekakuni, and it's a raccoon, not a rat. But then she jumps into another universe where she's a chef, and someone is literally being ratatouilleed by a raccoon. So it begs the question of, did she know it from another universe? And in turn, <laughs> it's... Yeah. And that raccoon 
Now, I don't know if you're too young, Christian. I hope you're not, because I don't want to feel old tonight. <laughs> oh, dear. Did you watch Ned's Declassified School Survival? Oh, yeah. Fuck yeah. Okay. I love you the show. Do you remember the ferret from <laughs> Ned's? <laughs> That's what the raccoon yeah. did. It gave that energy and that vibe. It gave yeah. the ferret from Ned's Declassified. Oh, um, uh, yeah. I mean... Raccoonie the- <laughs> rocks with googly eyes. Googly the rocks eyes. With Google- we got we got to make a shirt with rocks with googly eyes on it. <laughs> Everything scene, bagel. The whole scene where it's just <laughs> silent dialogue was fucking hilarious and and very introspective. Yes, and it was the best. Again, like, like from it a shouldn't viewer work. It shouldn't right. work, but it does. And like, if you're watching that. And you are going through a similar situation, which there are a number of, of people at home who I'm sure are dealing with that same situation with their mother or their parents, whatever it may be. And having to watch that dialogue break down in silence, the way that silence is used in that scene, brilliant. That's how two movies from 2022, that and Black Panther, that use silence in such a powerful and moving way that it's difficult. Like, that is a difficult thing to do, and they pull it off so brilliantly. Like, uh, chef, pizza, sign waiver, <laughs> kung fu, uh, uh, office guy who has a sub kink, there's just so who was much also shit. the director <laughs> who was also one of the directors yes uh grandpa eating pudding he's safe tr- tr- trust me uh this there's just so much shit to talk about this it's just an movie. unbelievable like depiction like we said like of family and relationships and bonds while also doing it in a sci-fi multiversal action thriller (laughs) it is so gen z and gen x yes it 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 really makes you ask how the fuck did this movie get made (laughs) right and it's like guess on top of that how did it work like yeah, and right, guess, guess who, guess who were producers on the film? People who made the turn down for what? <laughs> no, no, music, no, 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 no. Who music the pro- video directed it? <laughs> two of the producers on the film were the fucking Russo brothers. <laughs> Checks out. <laughs> Checks out. Um. And and if we're honest, it's probably the best film they've been involved in. <laughs> they didn't direct it. Just a, it's like the, it's the brainchild of Gen Z meets Gen X. Meets internet every, culture. Yeah, it's like the ultimate shit post movie. <laughs> yes. Yes. 
but and but works. she posted a good way. But she posted yeah, a good yeah, way. like, and I mean that sincerely and in, in such a positive light. Like, it is like think of every meme possible, and they brought it to life. No, no like, no, like the fucking fucking fanny pack kung fu. Literally, fanny pack kung fu. Uh, it seventy no sorry sixty year old woman suddenly gains WWE wrestler strength and abilities. Shout out Pat Pitts. Yeah, maybe uh, is 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 this Pat Pitts prime or or uh sorry or like how many universes are we off from Pat Pitts prime? Huh. Comment on YouTube if you know Pat. Yeah, it's like, come, come, <laughs> come, come, but like that. Uh, I do want to say I wanted to absolutely keel over and die with the paper cuts. <laughs> that sent the most heaving, like yeah. shivers down my spine. That was horrific. Kyle, pick, uh, pick, uh, pick one of, uh, pick one, uh, pick, a uh, pick one of three. Profess your love truthfully to the person who's, uh, who's trying to kill you. Break your own arm or take or take a nap. Are you feeling tired by chance? <laughs> give me the, give me the nap. <laughs> it's, 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 it's so. Like these, like all, all, all of that stuff where like everyone is is a movie star, is just they 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 are straight doing Wong Kar Wai stuff, which is like this Hong Kong director who's known for making films involving romances, and meanwhile, uh, and meanwhile, her kung fu mentor in that world. Is inspired by the mentor from Kill Bill Two, and she thinks it's like it's like, it, it's like movie references, Gen Z culture, shit posts, everything, I think everywhere, all at once. Craigslist ads on a bagel. That was great. Um, I think there's two movies in the whole like multiverse you know discussion era that like capitalize on doing the multiverse properly i think i know the other one you're gonna say it's everything everywhere all at once and it's into the spider-verse okay i thought you were gonna say no way home which i would have had a rebuttal against but like that one's like a tier below i think into the spider-verse does it like yes so phenomenally well and i think they're going to do it again and, with the yeah. sequel like it it's it in into the spider-verse has that balance of serious and humor see one of my favorite action movie characters ever spider pig yes. voiced by john mulaney which i'm like 100 percent yes give me it yeah, I think those are the two movies that are in like the hall of fame multiverse movie like situations um and like you said it is is such a good like 
encapsulation of family of relationships of like the importance of growth from one generation to the next um it's it's eerily similar to like today's culture too in that aspect of you know parents having to kind of ditch some of the things that their parents did to make things better for their kids and not holding on to you know tradition and you know societal norms from culture and everything and, and just doing things because it's the right thing to do um all while jam-packing that into traveling through the multiverse which is just fucking insane uh and the fact that this movie works as damn near flawlessly as it does is a minor tip of the cap to everybody miracle. involved it is fucking insane it's 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 a perfect movie like it is it a lot yes is it is it a perfect movie yes and it's like it's one of those movies too that when you watch it you understand why it wins best picture and why a movie like this will never ever be possible ever again (laughs) because like we said it is gen z meets gen x shit posting brought to live action it's it it's also with that though just it instantly built a internet following that's like basically equivalent to like your favorite annoying cult Twitter following of whatever TV show of sports star, like, and they just did it for a year, and it worked. They pestered people for a year to watch the film, and then Academy voters who didn't get the who didn't get the film the first time watched it a second time or a third time, and they finally got it. In prior years, they wouldn't fucking do that. It's a minor miracle. It, 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 like, there, there's a discussion we had, like, look, the Academy's changing. It's like, okay, I mean, if you think about it, the last three Best Director winners have been uh, Bong Joon-ho, South from, from South Korea, that film won Best Picture. We then have two women Best Directors in back-to-back years, which tripled or doubled the number of of a women best director winners ever and then we have these indie darlings win everything it's like the the academy is dead long live the new academy i i i i don't know this upcoming year will be a interesting uh Oscar cycle, given all the prestige films that are out, and it's like, ooh, Martin Scorsese has a film. Do we need to reward Martin Scorsese again? Well, you see. Uh. Yeah, and I mean, it's tip of the cap, too, to, you know, A24, like, just coming through and saying, hey, what's up? We're here. You know, you get that. You get Brendan Fraser winning uh, as well with an A24 film, so, like, shout out to A24. Uh, indie studio for the win like like uh, i'm i'm sure say this now 
is like arguably the best studio out there just consistently making stuff year after year because like their stuff doesn't do big box office but they give young directors chances and they let them do like amazingly fun and creative work like just they came together in 2013 right one of their first films was spring breakers which is now a which is now a iconic halloween costume for girls everywhere from from uh, from that film you have films like the spectacular now enemy undo the skin lock uh a most violent year ex machina which is like one of the best sci-fi films of like the last 10 years you have Room, which won Brie Larson a fucking Oscar. You have, keep clicking back. You have the the Lobster, Swiss Army Man, which, which was also by the Daniels, in which Daniel Radcliffe plays a fucking farting corpse. It's again, it's so fucking strange. Uh, Moonlight, with which which won Best Picture. Good Time, a Safi Brothers film that's on Netflix, I think now. If not, it's been on for it. It, it was on the starring Robert Pattinson, The Florida Project, Lady Bird, um, First Reform, Hereditary, Hereditary, one, one of the best horror films of the last ten years. Mid 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 nineties. Uh, uh, what's his name? Jonah Hill's directorial de- debut about growing up, growing up in growing up in the nineties, under under the under the Silver Lake, Midsommar, the 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 Souvenir, the Lighthouse, Uncut Gems. <laughs> then, then sorry, Uncut Gems. Adam Adam Sandler should have been nominated for an Oscar for that. Zola, Minari, Saint Maud, Red, Red Rocket, After Yang, X, Pearl, Ma- Ma- Maxine, Bodies, 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 which, which is like a like slasher film for people my age. That's that that has a bunch of girls trapped in a house, and they're. And they're all super, superficial and paranoid as fuck. It's you have you have you have after sun. You have white noise. The whale. Close. It's like all of these films that are just they're they're wild. They're so good. Oh, and and by the way, right now they are working. On a Steph Curry documentary that's going to be distributed by Apple. Like it's just bang, 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 bang year after year. There's always three, four films. It's like okay, yeah. A twenty-four fucking gods, and you people need to pay attention to whenever a A twenty-four does something because it's at least worth paying attention to. Yeah. 
so Christian, I think without any further ado, let's give our ratings for uh, everything, everywhere, all at once. It's perfect. I, 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 I can't put a number value to it because I don't know how I could break the scale with this film because I don't think a scale exists in which in with which you can measure this film. You, you, you just have to say perfect. <laughs> Uh, to which the scale being perfect would be 10 out of 10. So that will go down on the book there. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's perfect movie. It's a perfect fucking movie. It's absurd that it is. Um, but man, uh, I mean, you were, you were here when, uh, I watched it for the first time. Yep. And uh, I was speechless after we watched it. <laughs> yeah, we we I, we were just like, yeah, look, yeah, yeah. It's like, <laughs> what? Yeah. yeah, you know, yeah. It's ten out of ten. Um, there it is. Everything, everywhere, all at once. Ten out of ten. Go watch it get your mind blown just as much as I did uh, and report back in the YouTube comment section. Uh, we're going to finish off here with everybody's favorite segment. It is the streaming platform, Multiverse News and Notes, brought to you by our amazing, 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 doing it again. It's our merch partners, PHI Apparel Company, the best in the game. If you guys aren't getting your merch, you're not directly supporting us. Go to phiapparel.co, use code UNDERGROUND, get 10% off any and all merch from our amazing merch partners at PHI Apparel Company. They're the best in the game. They are going to be part of our live tailgate podcast series this uh, baseball season. So go get your merch. Get your streamer season merch. Tag us. Tweet at us wherever you get your merch. Whenever you get it. And uh, we want to see where you're rocking all that good stuff from across the streaming platform multiverse. But Christian, big one that I want to start off with here that I saw uh, yesterday. Does does, uh, does involve a certain cape superhero? Uh, it does not, uh, but it does involve the superhero world. Uh, it is in terms of a new production company for film and TV being started by one Michael Waldron, obviously known for Loki, uh, called Anomaly Pictures. So he is starting. He's launching a new film and TV production company that's a called good, Anomaly Pictures. That's a good studio name. It reminds me of how Nolan's production company. As in Christopher Nolan is named Syncope. It's a great name. Yep. Um, that stood out to me because Michael Waldron, I think, is one of the bright spots currently in Marvel. Um, you don't obviously, say. coming from Rick and Morty as well. Um, so for him to kind of want to start his own production company for movie and TV, I think is a a good thing, and I think it, it's only going to bring. Uh, positive vibes for both film and tv um 
So I'm excited about that. Shout out to Michael Waldron. He's one of my like white whale guests that I would love to have on this show. I've seen him do other podcasts. So Michael Waldron, open invite to come on streamer season. Um, I believe you were talking about Shazam, the Fury of the Gods, though. <laughs> <laughs> see, see, as d- despite that movie being set in Philly, I don't give a fuck. Yeah, they destroyed but, my baseball stadium. Sure, yeah, but like respectfully, it 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 hasn't gotten great reviews, and it's it it's suffering some of the Marvel CGI stuff, especially when it's like. Ben Franklin Bridge, and it's like, well, like, uh, Sandberg showed a photo of, like, see, we're we're filming on, like, a physical bridge thing and stuff, and it's like, yeah, but, but it's everything else in the shot that looks like shit, though. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's tough. Like, the DC stuff that is not going to be <laughs> important I just have like little to no interest in divulging into it because it's like, what's the point? Which, which are, if we're being honest, the only important thing this in this film this year, I'm sorry, Blue Beetle, right? It's the Flash, and part of the reason we don't we we only care about it is because of Michael fucking Keaton. Yep. <laughs> like I don't know what to tell you. And I mean, could be one of the last times we see Ezra Miller on on a big screen. Oh boy. Um speaking of DC, I did see a quote from um in my opinion one of the worst uh portrayals of Batman ever. Um because he was he was bad. He was bad. It's okay to say he was bad because it seems like he wants to say he was bad. Uh Ben Affleck says that the Justice League reshoots uh was quote the worst experience he's ever seen in a business which is full of some shitty experiences follow-up quote i just thought this isn't the life i want my kids aren't here i'm miserable uh i i is is this about the Zack snyder justice league reshoots i think so okay because because i wasn't sure if it was about that or just the the like because I don't remember what 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 happened with the original Justice League once uh, once uh, Snyder left that I, I don't know if they did reshoots on that but uh, given the uh, known history of Joss Whedon it wouldn't surprise me if it was that. Uh, ben Affleck also says he won't be directing a DC film. Quote: I have nothing against James Gunn. Nice guy. Sure, he's going to do a great job. I just wouldn't want to go in and direct in the way they're doing that. Fine, fine by me, Ben. Go back to a, a brick wall with your cigarette in hand and Jenny from the block, and yeah. and just don't, don't, you don't need to touch everything, Ben. Yeah, just, just, just leave it to you know actually good directors like James Mangold and James Gunn and Matt Reeves and stuff like that. You, you know what? Don't need it. Don't, I, Ben Affleck. Like I am a huge Batman guy, and Ben Affleck was just not it. Hey, Ben, Ben. Ben Ben Affleck has a film coming out in April, right? It 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 it's about Nike signing Michael Jordan, and I don't think it ever shows Michael Jordan. It just shows his parents. Sure. Yeah. 
It's happening. Uh, <laughs> not surprised. Willow has been canceled by Disney Plus after one season. Um, heard a I lot mean, of just like meh. everyone loved Warwick Davis, but the writing was not that great. The story was not that great, and it was it's just all, not a good follow up. It, it's a classic case of why did this need to exist? Just yeah. and. Disney's going to be cutting back on this stuff. Like, like, there's a reason Mighty Ducks and all that kaput. There's a reason this is kaput. They they were making content that didn't need to exist, that didn't justify its own existence. It's like H HBO is able to justify its stuff's existence because it wins fucking awards. And gets view viewership in that. Apple can justify the existence of the bunch of the shows because they just have a metric ass ton of money. That, <laughs> but but even though Disney has a metric ass ton of mo- money, uh, they they inherently realize that streaming is not profitable in its current state, and that they were overproducing stuff. See all their Marvel shows. Which, you know, something tells me now that uh, Bob Iger's back. We we ain't getting all those shows that uh, we were told about. <laughs> or we're going to get them in a much more condensed, like, uh, rollout. Like, we are this year. Like, we're only expected to get two. Um, speaking but, of things that... Hold on, hold on, that point. You... You say much more could that be because like we're estimated to get two what two shows? We're sp- right? like there's only two that are like full blown confirmed in 2023. Yeah, and and my counter with that is so outside of Secret Invasion and Loki, there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, like thirteen thirteen shows. 11 if you exclude two more seasons of what uh two more seasons of what if we ain't getting all that shit chief we ain't getting all that well i think three including what if three of them are animated uh properties that aren't necessarily in the like canon headspace from what we know yet because it's the revival of x-men 97 it's what if and then it's that spider-man uh, freshman year show and Marvel Zombies and, and Marvel Zombies, which I kind of envelop under. What if it's it's technically Spider Man sophomore year, but you know, yeah, yeah. it's it, it's well freshman years first yeah. and sophomore years confirmed. Uh, why why do these need to exist? Like I'm cool with the first three, like X Men '97 coming back, sign me up. Sure. What if? Sign me up. Marvel Zombies being rated R. Sign me up. Yes, but 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 it's like, why do we need a Wakanda series? Why do we need that Echo series? Why do we need a Vision Quest? Why do we need a Untitled Nova series? Like, why do we need to do this? Why do people care? People care about Loki. People care about some of those make sense, but that's for a later date. Um, but we don't need that many shows. And see, my issue here, 
is you were saying condensed rule and we're getting two shows this year. I need 13 shows. We we wrap up the multiverse saga in 2026. Explain to me how we're going to spread out Ironheart, Echo, Agatha, Daredevil, and Wonder Man and keep their timeline somewhat making sense. I'd have to look at all the the listings of shows and everything. Because the ones you just listed off there, I think three or four of them are already shooting. Y- yes, but my but but my point is if we're condensing rollout and everything in the MCU is supposed to be carefully planned on where it lands so it all goes over like a piece of like I guess condensed isn't lines. the word I guess the the word I sh- should have used is like uh, they're going to be more precise with it because a lot of the stuff that happened in phase 4 it was like oh we, we, we have to fit everything in 6 episodes It's it's got to be 6 we can't go over and then She-Hulk happened and it got 9 episodes and it's like you could have extended some of these series to like be more detailed and, and give you more and fit in some of the storylines that right. you're turning into shows. And I think that's what is going to happen is like some of these shows that are on that list are going to merge into being like one project. Yeah. But Kyle, do they need to exist? How much impact do they, do they have? On the main MCU timeline, Depends in, on where they want to go. Because if, if, if we're being honest, God bless one division, but like outside of of multiverse of madness, uh-huh. what do you mean, like? Why do we need it? And then, like, we kind of just threw Black Widow in there, so it's like, hey, Hawkeye, damn. Well, and then Wanda is a, Thunderbolts. Like, Wanda's know. a huge player. Like her character is being involved. Dead, is question mark? <laughs> not dead. Not dead because yeah. Elizabeth Olsen signed on for seven more projects. <laughs> that that's why I said dead question mark and plus multiverse smile she's exactly. she, she's already plus, didn't die on screen yeah <laughs> um speaking of projects that i'm excited about because it involves three awesome people and an amazing uh director involved i don't know if you saw this or not uh netflix doing some good things christian andrew garfield oscar isaac oh, yeah, yeah. This- mia goth are in talks it, to star in Guillermo del Toro's Frankenstein movie at Netflix. If if I'm being 100% honest, we've known about him doing a Frankenstein film for a while. We've known about Andrew Garfield and Oscar Isaac being attached. Mia Goth is the new part. And at that point, I'm just like, I was already in with Andrew Garfield and Oscar Isaac. Now you're throwing in the, like, the... 
the 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 face of horror for the last two to three years. Me me thought it's like sure yeah like I was arranged for this movie. I'll take more of this movie. Uh, this is this is me signing for this movie. Yeah, sign me up. Uh, do you want to laugh though? Uh, you know how last week we talked about Nancy Meyer's hundred and thirty million dollar rom com. Uh, Warner Brothers is apparently trying to pick it up. Hey, Kyle. See, here's here's the thing. I I I, I don't mind it. I don't mind it. Now, hey. n- now, see, here's the thing. Kyle, see, here's the thing you need to realize. Rom-coms, if done right, are still very profitable in theaters. See Ticket to Paradise. Now, yeah, n- not Kyle. It's Michael Fassbender. It's Scarlett Johansson. I know, I know. Old, old, older people will show up because it's written and directed by fucking Nancy Myers. Like, like, is it necessarily going to be good? No. Are people going to go see it? Am I going to see it? As long as it looks decent, absolutely. Uh, more Marvel uh, updates here for casting. Uh, Steven Yun has been cast in uh, the Thunderbolts. As what? We don't know. But Steven Yun, very good actor. Uh, his quote on it uh, was, the intentions of the particular character that they wanted me to play were very clear, and that's what drew me to the film. Plus, you guys already know, if you're a listener to this show, you know how excited I am for the Thunderbolts. So, let's ride. Um, looking here. James Gunn Superman. He He's officially directing it. Thoughts? Sure. It's James Gunn, so I'll be there. Superman yeah. does nothing for me, though, as a character. Um but we'll see. It's James Gunn, so I'm excited. Uh, what did I have here? <laughs> this is going to make the YouTube viewer in you laugh. Oh, dear. <laughs> this is from the Hollywood Reporter. Prepared the clip. <laughs> An animated series is in the works for Raid Shadow Legends. <laughs> This is fine. <laughs> Companies just need to find ways to spend money, I guess. Why? Raid Shadow Legends. Good grief. Sponsor us. Please. <laughs> Please. Oh, man. That's funny. That is funny. Um, looking here. Here is the let's make Dylan, even though he's not in the room right now, feel old uh wait this wait, happened wait. wait hold on kyle you you uh you you were you were forgetting the rumors about a very devilish character what you am i taking Sa- sasha baron cohen oh we'll get to that we'll get to that. Okay, yeah. that 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 is uh but on uh as of yesterday so yesterday march 15th shout out to my sister happy birthday to my sister uh on her sixth birthday, so 21 years ago on March 15th, Christian, uh, Ice Age released in theaters. I think I have that DVD buried, buried, buried in a drawer. I feel ancient reading that. 
Hold on. Uh, uh, I forgot about a piece of casting news that I don't think we talked about the last week. Um, for uh, for uh, for uh, for the Penguin Show, I did see this, but yes, Clancy Brown as Salvatore Maroni. Fuck yes, give me that. Give me I'm excited that, for that show. I'm give, excited for give, that. Give me Clancy Brown, man. Yeah. Uh, sign me up. The Penguin Show is going to be awesome. That's one of those things that, like, I'm excited about it, but I kind of wish that it happened before the Batman movie. Yeah. In a way. Uh, but nonetheless, I'm stoked. Um, Smi- S- Smile 2 is in the works. Great. We'll get to see those creepy smiles at City Field again. Um, uh, a reimagining of the cult horror film Faces of Death has their faces, Christian. Uh, Barbie Ferreira and Dacre Montgomery have been cast. Eh. Oh, well, it's not technically streaming, but I think we should at least bring it up. Quinn, we know what Quinn Karen. Quentin Tarantino's final film is going to be. It's going to be called The Film Critic. And it follows a female critic in the 70s. And anyone who knows anything about film critics immediately knows who this person is supposed to be. Kyle, do you know who it's supposed to be? No idea. So there's a famous female film critic called Pauline Kael, who's one of the most popular critics ever She's up there with the likes of Roger, uh, uh, with likes of Roger Ebert and Roger Ebert and Gene Siskel. She's known for having her own like, what's the right way to do it? Uh, view on film and stuff, which helped inform an entire generation of people. And so this is clearly Quinn Quinn Tarantino in his final film. He, his last film was about Hollywood and the aging movie star, and now he's doing the film critic. And this may just cause the this may just cause film 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 Twitter to self implode. <laughs> but hey, I am a hundred percent here for this because it's Tarantino. Are you one hundred percent here for this, Christian? Speaking of Disney Plus. Great transition. Uh, <laughs> a nine-hour cut of Avatar three is rumored to be turning into a limited series for Disney Plus that could release after the release of the theatrical cut in twenty twenty four. I mean, isn't this just kind of the the uh, isn't this just kind of the hateful eight bullshit that Netflix did? True. Which also, to be fair. The reason it's a nine-hour cut is because James Cameron uh, turned in a, a nine-hour cut, and he's like, "I I want to do VFX on all nine hours." Thank you, <laughs> uh, Kyle. This one's for you. In a, a a movie has been moved up to Thanksgiving, twenty twenty-four. Do you know what movie that is? I don't. It, it is one of the most. That one of the most famous musicals ever, Wicked. Oh yeah, Wicked Part One. Which, uh, 
I still hate how it's divided into two parts. Yeah, I'm in. I'm intrigued to see how like that plays which, out. Which let's let's quickly unpack this cast for. Let's quickly unpack this cast for a second. Cynthia Arrivo is playing Alphaba. Ariana Grande is playing Galinda, which I'm like, sure, yeah. Yep. Jeff Goldblum is playing The Wizard of Oz. Yep. Yes, please. Perfect casting. Uh, Michelle Yeoh, uh, Michelle Yeoh as Madame Morible. Sure, mm-hmm. yeah. But it, but but it's like Cynthia Revo, Jeff Goldblum, Michelle Yeoh. I could give a fuck about Ariana Grande as long as she sings well. It's fucking Jeff Goldblum getting to play a quirk. Yes, motherfucker. Yes, please. <laughs> and wait. and directed by your one of your favorite directors, John Chu. Yes. Who My did? God. Who did? The Kyle. In the Heights, baby. And who did? Why am I blanking? I know exactly what you're talking about. Henry Golding, Michelle Yeoh, Tracy Vertations, mm. and and he did now. Now you see me too, and GI Joe Retaliation. <laughs> Shout out to my guy. Um, the big news, though, this, this, ladies and gentlemen, brace yourselves. This Uh-oh. is this is podcast vindication here. I sent it in our group chat today. I'm vindicated. I'm selfish. I am wrong. I swore I was right. I knew I was right. I knew it all along. I'm a Fisto special for Disney Plus starring rumored. Sasha Baron Cohen rumored. is rumored to be currently Ru- filming. Rumored. Let's go. It was already rumored that uh, he's going to be appearing in Ironheart. Uh Give me a give me a Sasha Baron Cohen Disney Plus Mephisto special. I think both holiday specials we've gotten uh, for Marvel have been so well done and very very fun. And if you give me a Mephisto Halloween special, uh, not saying that it is Halloween, but it's just they just say special here from uh, discussing film. Uh, sign me up, Sasha Baron Cohen in a in a special as Mephisto. Ladies and gentlemen, we tried to tell you Mephisto was coming. It's been two years. It's been two long years. But it's finally rumored to be happening. And I couldn't feel more vindicated. I'm so excited. Can't wait. Uh, oh, really? I can't tell. Oh, I'm, I, I wanted to run through a brick wall when I saw that today. Uh, you'll love this one because uh, I feel like he is just popping up everywhere, but it's in a project that you absolutely hate. Uh, Barry Keoghan is officially in talks to star alongside Paul Mescal in Gladiator 2. See, see here's, here's the thing. I was kind of like, this doesn't need to exist. And if Barry... And if Barry... He, he, oh, I can never pronounce this fucking name. He's in it. <laughs> You have my attention. <laughs> that, 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 the, though, those two in a film definitely does something where, 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 where I'm like, you had my curiosity with Paul Mescal, but now you have my attention by adding him too. 
Yeah. Um, that's all I've got. Anything that I might have missed, Christian? Scrolling through the Discord server I'm on. Uh, dumb money. Don't care about that. Mission Impossible news. We got a poster for that. It's fine. Whatever. Uh, Dead Ring oh, I, you brought up Mission Impossible. I did want to give a shit. This is this is a crossover uh, multiverse news and notes minute. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, you should. I'll put it up on the screen. Uh, the Rochester Nighthawks of the National Lacrosse League uh, this weekend will be wearing their Top Gun military salute jerseys. Uh-huh. They are absolutely fantastic. I'm sending you... Uh, a picture of them so you can see them Christian but I saw this today on the timeline and I was like oh these are phenomenal um, The they will be doing the game worn uh, jersey auctions that are up right now so you can check in on those I'm hopefully going to try to win one for the studio <laughs> uh, but these usually go for quite a lot of money but can, they will can, be can I I've I have seen the studio in person. Where the fuck is any of that going to go? We, we have walls. We have walls. Walls, air hockey tables, couches. We have walls. We have walls. Um, but yeah, they look great. Job well done to the Rochester Nighthawks. Uh, one other film uh, to talk about. Speaking of Ben Affleck. Jennifer Lopez is in talks to star in Unstoppable from Ben Affleck and Matt Damon. <laughs> sure. Okay. Yeah, it's fine. Whatever. Uh, and then Demi Lovato is going to co-direct a, a documentary about childhood stardom. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh that's all we got for you guys. We know it was a long loaded episode, but thank you guys for tuning in. Shout out to Dylan being back. Very excited. Um, make sure you guys are following us at streamer SZN, Twitter, Instagram, follow Christian on Twitter at the whiz underscore PHI. Follow Dylan at Dylan Mazzola. Follow me at KBIZZL three one one subscribe to the podcast feed on Apple podcasts, Spotify, or wherever. You get your podcasts, and as Dylan will always say in your five-star review on Apple, leave a show and movie recommendation for us. Those get first dibs of us looking to see what we want to add to the list. Uh, and, of course, subscribe to the Underground Sports Philadelphia YouTube channel, youtube.com slash at Underground Sports Philadelphia. That's where you get full video episodes, live streams, original content, interviews, all that good stuff, youtube.com slash at Underground Sports Philadelphia. And also, make sure you get your merch. Look at it. Look at this. Look at this merch, guys. So good. It's lit. It's lit. Phiapparel.co. Code underground. 10% off. Go get your streamer season merch. But this has been another edition of Streamer Season, the exclusive streaming platform TV and movie podcast on the Underground Sports Philadelphia Podcast Network. For Dylan, for Christian, I'm KB. We're going to go avoid a zombie apocalypse while... Traveling through a galaxy far, far away with uh, Natasha Lyonne. Uh, that's pretty much everything, everywhere, all at once. So, uh, see ya! Yes.